Um, we're gonna see if it's live, perhaps. I don't know. I'm getting the notifications. Uh, I've, I've had things. So yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, I've... Evening, everybody. Hello. Good. Good evening. Was it afternoon with you, or is it? It's it's afternoon. It? It's two. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's we we're doing this weird thing. So daylight savings time. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm, Hold I'm on. So, so I'm so pleased you told me because otherwise this would have gone horrifically wrong. I I am also um. pleased that I told you. So so yes. Um, here in the United States, um, are you familiar with our political system at all? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, you know, there's. I, I believe you'd call them twats. Um, uh, so, plenty of them. But but uh, so I, they all agreed earlier this week that uh, daylight savings time needs to be permanent. Um, and so we might Ooh. just do the time switch twice more, depending on what the other half of our bodies of Congress say. Yeah. Um, and uh, if that is the case, then. 9 p.m. will forever be the time in which the podcast. Uh, unless, of course, we change the time we podcast. But that will be kind of the difference. Mm -hmm. uh, is that many hours? What is it, seven? Seven hours? Uh, well, seven hours. Well, it'll still, well, for me, it will still flex because obviously we still got, we'll still have daylight savings. Uh, oh, don't... you'll still, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, because America isn't the world. Um, just Yeah, just no, you. I mean, I just like, how. <laughs> Do you do it at different times than us, I guess, is the question. Yeah, so we do... Ours will be... What's the date? Um, ours is... It'll be... It's either next weekend or the weekend after. Um, oh, okay. No. And then for the other end, it's on the the last weekend of October, which is slightly different from you again. Yeah. Because we couldn't just do things the same way. I mean, that, that, no, that of course not. No. It's... Um, Anyway, we're doing that. You're, uh, hi, everybody. Yeah, that's right. We're like public. We're live. Um, I forgot. You know, it's, we do, we do, we do not. Thank you. You know, the bit where you said, should we go live? And I said, yes. And then you press go. Yes. Yes. And I did say exactly those things. And this is, this is what happens when you do that. that okay. Thank you for explaining, um, the internet to me <laughs> because I am. Look, everyone, it's been a really rough week. You can tell by the number of energy drinks on my desk. Uh, I'm almost embarrassed to show this, but this is like, hold up. This is the week piling up for me. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> one for each day. Got another one that I'm actively working on um, to sustain me through this. Uh, I, I wouldn't even call it a trying time. It's just a, uh, oh, it's so busy. I say, At least you can leave your office. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, you can't. You, Mr. Mr. COVID over here. Yeah, I've got I've got friends on board, and not great ones at that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so so, um, longtime listeners of the pre-show uh, will recall that I have. Uh, what's the word for it? I have. Um, oh, met, so okay, so so actually, it wasn't known that I was the issue here that are it came from reddit uh auto poster uh, behind the scenes here has been broken for months and we couldn't figure out why today i figured out why <laughs> i finally decided to open up zapier and say okay why is this not kicking through because i was going through the show notes and thought yeah we should probably do this 
Um, and uh, sure enough, uh, what happened was I had simplified some workflows um, to be like, you know, so, so we're using different automated systems. We have, we have IFT, um, and then we have uh, um, Zapier. Sorry, it's, it's one of those weeks. IFT and Zapier. And uh, we have several different communities that we chat through. And so one of them is Discord, and one of them is Slack, and one of them is uh, slowly... Um, dying by attrition and so with that i i decided to kill the it came from posts in slack because we weren't using them they weren't public we're now using them solely off of our discord and in doing so i had removed a critical step in our it came from pipeline therefore i am now in ift trying to port everything over to discord from slack and I am having a fun time doing so. And so that means hopefully next week I will have, uh, we will have some stuff in, um, uh, in, in the, uh, it came from section. Would, would be a good time, I think. Um, in the meantime, we are searching vigilantly, uh, for Reddit posts. No, we, we've got the Reddit posts. We're done. Uh, oh, they I, are done. And you have I've, picked some I've, controversial... I've, I've, I've just taken a, a bit of a bit of moral... I'm, I'm taking using any excuse because I'm ill. Then I can just do right, what I like. Right. And there's yes, no way... Exactly. You, you can't tell me off mm. because, you know, uh, you're telling off an ill person and that's just rude. Yes, yes. So... Absolutely. What I want, choosing, choosing what I like. And um, yeah. so I've, I've chosen three, mainly because I think you deserve it because you clearly messed up. Um, Thank you. Which Thank you. I, I appreciate I mean, it greatly. Let's not get stuck into the fact that there's no way I could do what you're doing, um, and I wouldn't. I don't know how to well, do it, to do it. So um, you, you yeah. know, there we go. Um, what else do I need to do? Jeez. All right. So you know what? We're gonna test this out here. Are you um, gonna? Or to make my Discord go. Bing, 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 bing. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna certainly try. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, I need to go in. Where have I started? Edit title the Discord. Uh, All right. Are we? Are we ready? Here we go. We're gonna try this automation here, and we're gonna see if go this on, works. Uh, it should be. It came from bot. It might be. Ift, but we'll see. Check now. Oh, applets usually run within five minutes, so we shall see. Uh, we we shall see. Okay, well that's in the works, I guess. We'll... So at some point, I expect this call just to start going. Just one ding. It should just be one ding. Um, oh. I'm not going. I'm not going hard on the dings yet. Um, we we want to be careful about the dings. Man, I am. I have to apologize. I am very low energy tonight. Um, it's been a draining week. Well, it's just some of these weeks hit it, doesn't it? It's um. um yeah, it really does. <laughs> it's. Uh, uh, 
No, I've, I've literally, like I said, um, I've been doing that thing where yesterday, like I say, yesterday <laughs> and today, I've had to do some major presentations. And I've literally been, you, you know, when you, you so we sort of joked about everybody through um, through COVID and through the pandemic of uh, COVID and sort of been having a nice formal shirt on, but whilst wearing either shorts or pajama yeah. bottoms and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's been me this week. Um, I haven't really done it all the way through um, COVID uh, as such, but yeah, this week has been very much of the... Um, Let's just put something fairly respectable on the top because nobody can see anything else. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, well, unless you get up. Um, hey, did you I'm see up. that clip? <laughs> Somebody like on a Zoom meeting, and they get up to like show they they get up to grab something to show everybody, and like he's wearing shorts underneath his dress shirt. Oh. <laughs> and then the one of the other guys goes on the call. Hey, hey, uh, Tim, nice, nice uh, shorts, and he gets really embarrassed. And then the other guy stands up, and he's wearing like he's wearing shorts. yes, uh, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, you're like me too. Yes, yeah. but there are other more unfortunate ones where people have um, thought their cameras have been switched off. And, oh yes, um, no, I, yes, yeah, um, which makes me laugh. Yeah, those are those are uh, fun. Uh, okay, so I I am viewing the it came from uh, questions that you have pulled for the very first time. Okay. Uh, wait, this isn't University of Bath. Let's get that right. This is uh, LMU, which is. Um, Ludwig Maximilian's University. I'm just going to say Ludwig Maximilian's University. Pretty best. <laughs> to our friends. We have friends everywhere. You realize that every single news story that we've ever had on the show is from our friends? Oh, that's oh yes. Um, evening, Mister <laughs> Denton. <laughs> it's a. We, why are you so surprised we've actually got friends? What's that? Why is it so, so surprised that we've got friends? No, I, I'm just saying. Like, it's surprising that every story is from our friends. We do. Oh, have, I see what you mean. Yes. Yeah, we have plenty of friends. Um, Speak for yourself. Well, <laughs> uh, I don't have many friends. People that listen to this thing for whatever reason. Uh, okay, hang on. So uh, you have um, okay. So how would you approach prioritization for a product that is very broken? <laughs> okay, great. Uh, feeling overwhelmed with my new job. Great. Uh, paper prototyping is the biggest waste of time ever. That is the controversial. Controversial. Do you want to do that ready. first, or to make sure it doesn't nah. drop off? <laughs> nah, you want to work it to it? Blah, blah. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to it. Uh, because I will be quite cheeky by that point, and um, it'll be good time. Cool. I'm going to be using my mute button on quite a regular basis, I fancy. Yeah, um, I, well, you know what? I've started using the mute button while we're actually uh, recording because I, I realized that my chair is quite squeaky. Um, you need a new chair. Oh yeah, that's what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You can hear it. I can hear it when I go back and edit the audio. So I start, uh, I start muting my mic. Um, hello to everybody watching. I, 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 you know, I usually am pretty good about that. Hello to everybody watching. If you're watching on any of our platforms, uh, sincerely thank you. This is the pre-show. This is where the sausage gets made. We'll have the main show here in about twenty <laughs> minutes or so. Uh, we are. This is where we like. I don't know. It's a lot of everything. We kind of. Um, we, we put together the show notes and make sure that the show is going to be good for you. 
Good might be a strong word. Good, well, you know what? It, it's it's a uh, in an effort to look like we are prepared. Um, I am glad you're filling in that part that you're at right now. So I was going to ask, and I need a link to that. If you could just throw that in the chat for me, because um, I need to put that in the show notes. You do, and. Again, where I've been completely messed up this week, I should have sent out some started to send out some promo for that at the early this week, and I haven't done it because I've spent most of the time sort of on drugs, legal hey, drugs. You know what? But, you know what? Though mm-hmm. it, it's okay because I missed some pretty important. Uh, uh, yes, we do have show notes. <laughs> <laughs> this is planned. Believe it or not, this is planned. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Oh, yeah, man. I mean, we we missed a pretty important thing this week too, which is uh, the the news cycle. We usually do like a um, recap, and I was having a hell of a day on Tuesday, which is normally when we push those out. And I said, you know, this is for my mental health. I am not going to put that out, and I'm going to pay for it dearly when Friday rolls around and we have no news stories to <laughs> pull for everybody. Uh, <laughs> but it's okay. I think we had a couple. There's one interesting one on Twitter that. Um, that our social media manager tagged us in, Barry. Did you see that? Oh, I saw that, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that social media manager's great, aren't they? Um, yeah. But we... Um, yeah, that, that's, an, that's an interesting one to uh, to throw into the mix. Look, like, I, I want to know what the research was like for that. So so for anyone watching, what we're talking about here is, a, uh, is some research uh, done by... Oh, forgive me. I am trying really hard to find it uh, where tweets and replies yeah there we go uh it was a a uh it was a paper on distracted driving um and it was analyzing road safety risks of sex while driving um and so uh some of the methodology of this is uh Interesting. This is a it's a sixteen part thread. they conducted audio. a they conducted a content analysis of two hundred and seventy Pornhub videos featuring drivers and moving vehicles engaging in sexual activities. So the the research. For... So at which point we only going for going to get grant funding, right? Um, to do some of this sort of research, how do you justify that in a grant? How do you sell this? Program? Yeah, yeah. Um, we would like to. Um, <laughs> what? what <laughs> or free? Well, and then and then write a paper on it, and we'd like you to pay us lots of money to do that, please. Yes, so, we'll need I funding mean, for. Say- pro or premium accounts and so that way we're ad free um oh, see I, I don't know how that sort of thing works so of course uh <laughs> <sighs> yeah I, I it's it's interesting and um would be a fun conversation i feel like our audience would probably pick this story um most of the videos depicted male drivers and female passengers. Videos with two vehicle occupants were the most common. Contrary to past research, passengers aren't a protective factor 
against distraction. <laughs> no, no situation. <laughs> um, our focus in the study was to understand interactions with road safety, off-road glances, greater than two seconds, vehicle control, and driver behaviors, mobile phone use, seatbelt wearing. Uh, what they found is that a third of the drivers didn't wear a seatbelt when the vehicle was moving. When they did wear a seatbelt, drivers were less likely to ejaculate. Uh, seatbelt limits masturbation and oral sex. The vehicle control was impaired. Um, most drivers, 75%, didn't keep two hands on the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Recommended. And uh, 8% didn't have both feet in the pedal area. Uh, <laughs> There's a the mirror signal maneuver joke here somewhere as well uh, this includes this explains the most commonly reported uh sex while driving incidents uh, involving lane drifting <laughs> so auto I don't lane know. Direction. that's that, that's, dude, that's where it comes in that's why it's been needed <laughs> this dude this uh this research would be so fun to cover on the show i don't know if i could keep it straight the entire time 22% of drivers were holding the camera or phone during their drive. Drivers filming themselves. That's uh, just well, dangerous. As <laughs> another form of distraction that hasn't been explored in previous research. Another type of distraction that appeared, including undressing uh, while driving, 24%. It's quite complex task to navigate when or to negotiate when driving, uh, when you think yeah. about it. Um, so why is all this important? Why does it matter? The study demonstrates that distraction can take many forms. Also, distractions can be nested in others, um, such as using their phone. Uh, this knowledge expands our conceptualization of distraction. We propose the notion of complex distractions to describe these nested distractions. <laughs> Importantly, there's a risk of copycat behaviors. Some viewers may be influenced to try some of what they watched. Uh, we also suspect that financial incentives may uh, be a reason some people are filming and posting these videos online. Uh, we should keep this in mind. As cars become increasingly automated, we found vehicles featuring Tesla vehicles. Sexual activity uh, may become more prevalent as driving becomes less demanding. On a final note, uh, sex while driving is a risky behavior that requires both multidisciplinary and cross-sectional collaboration to address health and transport and education all need to uh, work together. Um, which is just posted. So being blindfolded and handcuffed is a pretty strong distraction. Yeah, That's for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh... Um, yeah, so this this would be a, a really fun story. I'm going to include it in our list of... Um... I'm just trying to stitch, stitch, us, stitch us up, aren't you? <laughs> so... Look, every once in a while, we need a like curveball to throw in there. Um just... See if anybody's paying attention. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I don't know why. So I've been looking at our numbers uh, and last week's show is kind of like off the charts. I don't know why um, we did nothing different. What was last week's show? I forgot I the word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, what did you talk about it must have been awesome. Yeah, it was. It was... Um, you know, I'll tell you in a second. It was uh, workplace, workplace relationships. Is it? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, human factors of workplace relationships improving creativity. The whole creativity. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah. The, the creativity. I don't know what I'm talking about. That nobody. Um, and that has performed. 
that's that's one of our best performing uh, episodes in terms of pacing, which is great. Um, so I wonder what this is where we need you people who are listening to give us some feedback as to what works well and what doesn't, because. Like I say, that that show was no real different to what we usually do. You know, it's just just excellence in a in in a in, a, in an hour long I, recording. I have a um, suspicion. I think it's probably in the name of the title, because um, workplace relationships it doesn't specify whether or not it is interpersonal or romantic, and so I would imagine most cool. people clicked on it thinking romantic when we were talking about interpersonal. So it was a little bit clickbaity and unintentionally. So that I find fascinating. Um, and so people looked at the title. People looked at the title and said, workplace relationships improve creativity. What? Uh, and yeah, they do. But the, Have you got the, the stats for how long people listen to them for? So did people like sort of just listen for like uh, 10 minutes and then? I have. Or, or... Yeah, I have partial. Um data on that if i uh it'd be interesting because if people sort of like just listen to maybe 10 minutes and went no nah, this isn't talking about um people getting out of the office the um yeah. yeah i'm i'm going to check right now um because we have some stats on that do you i mean it's through so i'm gonna say in terms of so i think We've talked about this before where my i'm my podcast is hosted by blueberry and um they've just re, re done all of their um stats and uh, their, their stats page and it's now really quite amazing um you get you know retention impactful plays trends all that sort of stuff um, right straight from the off it's really quite neat i'm quite impressed uh, and as we know, it takes a lot to impress me. So nobody ever. So interestingly enough, yeah, it looks like. Wow, what? That can't be. Uh, I guess it could. Average consumption of that episode is down by. Mm, I don't know, ten percent. Well, that's not bad. I think. But, but what I'm what I'm looking at our numbers is like stuff is hit or miss. Uh, like like we're talking about the difference between like a sixty percent um, consumption rate, which is actually really good for an hour long episode. Yeah. Um, all the way down to like ten percent uh, for some of our episodes, and this is on. Oh, the sample size is not great. So I'm using Apple, which is, you know, one piece of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's nowhere near the whole picture. Um, I don't have data. I, you know, I need to switch to Blueberry, I think. Well, it's quite cool. I mean, I could just straight off the off the bat now, what they're, they're saying is that over 80% of my. 87% of my episodes are... What's that mean? 87% um, of my episodes are impactful, which they classify as being somebody's listened to over 75%. Ah. Um, so... 
which is quite neat because by the time you take off the bit at the end where people don't listen because as soon as regular listeners don't listen to the end of your podcast no um, and people skip around too like for us it's the patreon commercial and some people even skip through the uh the um programming notes i don't know why you'd skip that this is probably the the the, the hidden gold probably um and actually they've just updated as well because if people listen only partially then the average length of a partial listen is 23 minutes yeah, my average episode length, that seems low. I thought they're always more than that, is 39 minutes. So, that's interesting. Oh, because then I do have a couple of episodes that are because um, they're like, welcome to the start of the year type of thing. Right. Oh, so they'll throw it in the jail. Anyway, interesting numbers. Uh, indeed. We're, we're like a bit of stats. Have you done your it yes. came from? Oh, no, sorry, not it came from. Your one more thing. One more thing. Yes, I have my one more thing. Uh, my one more thing is awesome. And I'm actually going to... Um... Yes, I do have my one more thing. Cool, well done. I'll just put mine in now. Um... Yeah. I, I, I'm going to prep my one more thing because it's a show and tell that I will need to describe. Oh. Uh, oh, here we go. Quite... Uh... <laughs> I'll need to describe it quite well for our listeners. <laughs> it's not, not nothing to do with that story you were just reading out just checking uh, no 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 no, no. <laughs> right. I'm you got you got your one more thing I've just got my one more thing and chucked that in there so that's all good as well um okay can you stop throwing things? No. Yeah, just, well, just, I'm, just, I'm just being flamboyant. What can I say? Okay. Okay. Look, as uh, long as you stop throwing things, I think we'll we'll be all right. But uh, you, you really got to stop that, man. Well, I know it's a, it's a bit destructive, but mm, good fun. Um, you need some uh, you need some general impressions, unless you're happy with just fr- freestyling your general impressions. Oh shoot! Yes, I do. Um. Uh oh gosh. All right. I need those. Uh four minutes. Come on. I do have four minutes. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. Uh hold on. What are my impressions of this? Um I love social psychology. Uh this is neat. I don't I'm gonna grab some water. Okay. You grab some water. I'm gonna just sit here and freestyle rap to some of this stuff here. Hang on. Let's Yeah, I think I'll this is the cast, the Human Factors cast. We're gonna do a podcast about some stuff. Oh no, I gotta wait for the beat. I'm sorry. <laughs> All I could hear from that was I just cut my headphones. I was like, I think my headphones are broken. What? No, 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 no. I was, I was saying <laughs> while you're gone, I'm gonna throw down some beats or some some freestyle with this with this beat here. Hang on, uh, I gotta listen to it for a second. It's the Human Factors cast. We're going to talk about some social science stuff, and it's going to be a blast. I don't know. <laughs> uh, good effort. I like that. It's, a uh... plus for effort. <laughs> <laughs> uh... it's, uh, it's, it's better than what I can do, so that, that that's fair enough. Are we 237? No, we're uh, 238. Uh, we're episode 238, aren't we? Uh, yes, we are. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I'm still preparing my one more thing, and it's uh, it's being a a, a little bit of a hassle. Um, 
It's a good job I'm here because otherwise, I mean. Yes, you would be. Uh, you have saved the day in multiple ways. So. Um, oh, this this beat is. Uh, this beat is rad. Oh, that's what I meant to check. We are doing restream out. So, when, when did I put that? 238, March 17th. Um, yeah. Why is that stopped working? Oh, no. That, um, why is oh, my entire stream deck stopped working? Oh. Oh, no. That's annoying. Can I reboot my stream deck? Um, possibly. Hang on. I could always... Just like, oh, never mind. I was gonna say I could always freestyle rap while you're <laughs> poorly while you're while you're doing the stream deck of it. See, what I meant to do was label up all of my USB, um, all my USB plugs. So I, because I've got it, got them set up so I can actually switch them on and off individually, just in case things need a, need a swift reboot. Um, and I keep on talking about it and just haven't done it yet. So, mm -hmm. uh, which is annoying. Right, okay. Oh, there we go. That's better. Thankfully, due to software, I could do a soft reboot. We are good. So I should. Does that work? Oh, there, that works again. That's good. That's why it wasn't working. That means it hasn't been working all day. Um, I was trying to do, do the zoomy thing for meetings for when I, um, when I was trying not to show everybody else what's going on in the background. Um, so... That... all right cool right, uh, if you're yeah i think we're good if you're watching stick around we're gonna play a little intro thing and then we'll be back with a regular show and hopefully uh somehow i will transform into higher energy okay ready <laughs> let's go welcome to human factors cast your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Human Factors Cast. You're, this is episode 238. We're recording this live on uh, March 17th, 2022. I'm your host, Nick Rome, joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. Hey, good evening. How are you doing? I am well. You, on the other hand, sound maybe not so well. <laughs> I've been better. I've got um. I'm, I've been visited by COVID, and so I, I'm I'm isolating and things. But because I'm isolating where we're recording, then it means I don't have to miss the show. So how cool is that? How cool is that? The COVID fairy gave you a visit. Hey, we got a great show for you all tonight. We're going to be talking about how our minds distinguish between various social influences, uh, and later we're going to answer some questions from the community about um how would you approach a product that's uh very broken uh feeling overwhelmed potentially by new job and the controversial opinion about whether or not paper prototype prototyping is useful or not but first we got some programming notes for you um the next episode for 1202 the human factors podcast is live barry what is going on over on the 1202 podcast so on 12 and 2 podcast on Monday, if I get myself sorted out, the we'll be talking about muscular skeletal disorders and an app that's been brought to us 
brought to the UK anyway by Flex Health and Arco, that it's aiming to not only support musculoskeletal health in your day-to-day life, but actually if you've then got problems, it brings uses AI to bring you some um, some physiotherapy. So been interesting to work out you know, really what about musculoskeletal health and, and what we can actually do about it. So that'll go live on Monday, UK time. Super cool. I'm looking forward to that episode. Uh, in other news, we do have uh, upcoming here on Friday, April 1st at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 Eastern. We do have the next HFES presidential town hall. I'll be sitting down with a slew of folks from HFES, talk about the latest and greatest from HFES and see what's going on. Uh, our last one was pretty cool, so highly recommend that y'all come by and check it out. We'll also have it in the feed here. Uh, so if you miss it live, you can always listen to it here. All right, well, I think it's time that we get into this first part of the show. Yes, we know why you're here. It's... Human Factors News. This is the part of the show all about uh, bicycling. I don't know. Uh <laughs> You know, sometimes we we pick these stories and you pick them. So it's going to be a great time. Barry, what's the story this week? So this week is all about how our minds distinguish between various social influences. So when people change their opinion after they've received additional information from another person, this is an example of information, informational social influence. But when people revise their views because they want to be socially accepted, researchers refer to normative social influences. Previously, it was uncertain which neural mechanisms underlie these two different situations. Researchers characterize brain activities that occur if people have been socially influenced to change their opinion. The study showed that our brain uh, solves social conflicts, that is, the differences of opinion, be the same neural machinery that it uses to solve its own internal subjective conflicts. A specific region of the brain takes the two two factors into account, and that is how confident we are in our opinion and how polite we are obliged to be towards others. This study has shown that uh, people tend to adjust their answers when their confidence was low, irrespective of whether they thought their partner was a human or not. And that'll become relevant when we do a bit more discussion. The, this information influence was controlled by an activity in the dorsal anterior cingulate cortex, or DACC, which is easier, of the brain, a region of the cerebral cortex. Test subjects are also exhibited more conformity towards other opinions if they receive their confirmation from their communication partner. This normative influence arose only when they believed that their partner was human, as did the correlation with DACC activity. Moreover, the normative influence was associated with stronger functional connections between the DACC and other social processing regions of the brain. This was not the case for the informational influence. So Nick, were you influenced into believing the article? Look, th- there's um, some really interesting, how do I put this? There's some really interesting nuances here that I think we could really dig into from a human factors perspective. And I think it really will challenge us to apply it because I'm looking at your general impressions here. But mine, uh, I, I love social science stuff. And I think social psych is a really cool topic. And this adds sort of the um, the neuropsych onto it. And I think that's fascinating. I don't, I, not strong feelings either way, but it's, um, we're going to try here, folks. <laughs> Barry, what, <laughs> um, what are I mean, your from, thoughts? From my perspective, it's what, it's another one of these the things that is like, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. This whole social psych stuff is cool. The, the, um, the, the neuro behind it, the neuroscience behind it 
is really interesting because there is fundamentally there's, there's still so much we don't know about the brain how it functions and all that sort of stuff but in a practical sense what does it give us new what, what what's it actually telling us? what what is it, what is it that i can then go and take away and do something differently because of it um part of me thinks that that there isn't anything there yet um though this talk about where they talk about um humans and non-humans giving um um, given supportive influences, which we'll come on to when we talk a bit more about the article itself, um, is interest interesting. But do we want to dig into a bit of, um, I guess, some of that psychology, that 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 social psych stuff that you like and you think is so cool? Yeah. Um, do, you, do you want to dig into some of the some of them sort of concepts that we should be thinking about with this? Yeah, I think you know we're talking about this this study here in terms of influencing others, and there are several different ways to think about social influence. Um, this is going to take it back to like social psych 101, right? We're going to talk a lot about, about a lot about that stuff. But I think one thing for us as human factors practitioners is to really stretch and talk about how social influences can affect things like cognition, performance, decision making. And I think some of those key human factors principles are actually affected quite a bit by some of the other stuff going on socially. So let's open our minds. Let's stretch our uh, stretch our uh, brain muscles and <laughs> try to get this um, all linked up for y'all. Uh, so let's let's take a look at um, yeah social social influences from a social psychology perspective. So there's a couple different ways to think about this, right? There's um, let's start with like informative social influence, or this might be called social proof, and another. Uh, other people call it that. So this is when people feel the need to really be informed by accurate information. And when they don't have the confidence in their, and especially when they don't have the confidence in their own knowledge. Um, and so this is why, you know, in a lot of cases, people um, go out and search news stories, and there's a whole bunch of issues with trust and social um, influence when it comes to misinformation and things on the news. So, I mean, it, this is a really big one. Um, but basically when they turn to others in hope of getting that correct information, um, when they accept that information, whether or not it's accurate, uh, that person is subjected to social influence. So there's a whole conversation right now about how, uh, misinformation is handled from news sources and from those in your community. Uh, someone could spout misinformation about vaccines or uh, transmission of COVID or even COVID itself and relevant to you, Barry. So like I, I there's a lot of different ways in which misinformation can manifest. And it's a it's a form of social influence. Um, do you want to talk about normative social influence? Yeah, so the, that second type of conformity is normative, normative social influence, where people want to fit in amongst friends and colleagues. And fundamentally, they want to be liked and respected by other members of their social group. They value the opinions of other members and seek to maintain their standing within that group. Therefore, people will just adjust their own attitudes and behaviours to match the accepted norms of that group. And so if that's your local community or your local family group or your lo local friendship group, 
this conformity with the with the majority may involve you know the, the fa fashion trends that are popular amongst a group of friends or adopting rituals of, of a religious group or watching a particular tv show or not wearing masks or not getting vaccines you know all them sort of things if, if people within your circle are, uh, do or not either doing or not doing something you will generally try and um, conform with that to to stay within your normative group do you want to hit us up about social influence and conformity I do, but I want to pause on normative social influence because I think this has a lot of potential for human factors applications. So when you talk about fitting into a group, um, you know, on the, on the past, I feel like couple shows, we've talked about what working in the workplace uh, could potentially do. And so if you have, you know, those workplace relationships that we talked about last week, um, you might feel more likely to be impacted by these normative social influences if you want to fit in with a group that you like. And if you start sort of pairing that influence with pro-social behavior or, um, you know, or you talk about climate ergonomics, Barry, that's something that you're pa uh, passionate about. And so, uh, you know, pairing that normative social influence with like pro-social behaviors like recycling. If you see your friends doing it and and they recycle, you might be you will be more likely to recycle to fit in with that group. If, you know, they are taking their bikes to work, you're going to feel more inclined to take your bike to work too because that is something that you can relate to them with. And so um likewise, if you foster an environment of productivity, I think this is where when we talk about human performance we can really make that human factors connection here. If you foster a, a an environment of, of productivity in the workplace and healthy work-life balance, I think that has a huge impact on human factors. So I, I just wanted to highlight that uh, because I think it's so critical for that human factors connection that maybe wasn't apparent at the top when we started this news story. Um, right. So yeah, let's, let's talk about social influence because this is, um, kind of that other piece of the puzzle, right? This, this can take, uh, this can manifest itself in many different forms. Um, and we, you know, we, we've been talking about conformity and that's kind of the big one here. So conformity at its base is when somebody adopts the opinions or behaviors of another person or another groups. So this often occurs in groups. Uh, and, and it usually happens when an individual, conforms to those social norms that um, are respected by everybody in that group, right? We talked just about that normative social influence. I think this is really getting at that, right? There are other things and uh, that are uh, not behavioral that are also adopted. So they might conform as well to opinions and values, uh, which will impact behaviors, Right. And, and they express support for some of these views accepted by the group um, and sort of withhold the criticism they have about some of these views and opinions. Right. And and ultimately, um, this does come down to behavior like these these uh, withholding of criticism and supporting views will manifest itself in ways that uh, result in human behavior. Right. They'll behave in a way that's similar to others in that group. Uh, I don't know. Anything to add to that, Barry? Or do you want to jump into public versus private conformity? Because there's quite a difference. Yeah, before I jump into that, I think it's what that social influence and conformity is something we see a lot in in the workplace, because because of almost that um that commu that that community of um the workplace and how you seem to fit in what your your perception of what 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 your work behavior should be like 
which all, which might be very different to to what you're doing at home. So it is quite a, quite an interesting um, interesting one. Um, the public versus private conformity is um, is super interesting for me because it basically when you look at the, when you're conforming to the social norms of a group, um, a person may disagree with the opinions that they express or the actions that they take, but nonetheless they adopt the behaviour that is expected of them. And this whole public versus private bit is actually, if you've got public conformity, it's involving matching your own behavior to meet the expectation of others. But whilst inside, you might hold a different view. So the example that, the, that we've got here is a student may um, express a liking for a rock band because all of their friends listen to it. However, privately, they may just di may dislike the music, but they pretend to like it just to fit in with the group. Um, private conformity is actually when a person internalizes the views of a group and adopts that majority of, of opinion as their own. So for, for instance, using the same idea that the student listens to the music of the rock band that their friends like. Over time, they realize that they too enjoy this type of music. Their own personal opinion has, has changed, private conformity has occurred. So that's really quite interesting about how you, um, how, how you in, internally, internally view and externally view everything that's going on, going on around you. Which is again, if you, if we can influence people to, I mean, well, that's a, that's a key influencing measure about how to get people to take, not just talk about and pretend that they're, they, they like what they're doing for you, but actually internalize it and make them actually feel like what they're doing. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a third kind of option here, which is identification. Um, you know, you talk about public, you talk about private, there's identification where, uh, you know, an individual in identifies kind of with other members of a group and conforms to their um, opinions and behaviors. And when they do that, they may seek to gain the favor of other members um, and to be accepted in the group. So it, it's almost like uh, trying to change yourself to be in that group rather than being in a group by default and, and adapting to group think, right? So for example, this might be... Um, you know, an, an employee uh, joining an office, right? We keep bringing up the workplace here. They might go bowling as colleagues um, and they might like to go once a week. And I think we actually talked about, you know, actually going out uh, mm. as an example last week. But, you know, they go out to this bowling alley once a week and privately this person might dislike this pastime and prefer to spend it reading. Um, I think we talked exactly about this when I was like, I just want to go to the hotel and like hang out. Yes, we're rather good on that, yeah. <laughs> so actually on that, having read them out like that, which is uh, first time we've done that out sort of publicly, what's really the difference between that public versus private and that identification? They're largely the same thing. Well, I think the difference uh, when, when it comes to identification is um, sort of the wanting to be accepted into a group versus the public conformity is you're already in a group. This is my understanding. I'm not an expert in this stuff, but public conformity kind of is like you're um, in a group by default, right? Like yeah. identification yes, is almost like, I want to fit into this group. And How do I get in that? yeah, yeah, no, that makes yeah. sense. Let's talk about internalization. You want to talk about internalization? So internalization is is another form of opinion conformity where the opinions of the group or minority within that group influences an individual's own options. Uh, the person may not only express the views of the group publicly, but also adopts these new views and regards them as being their own. So a form of private conformity. Um, this internalization of new beliefs frequently occurs in religious groups uh, where members privately adopt the spiritual ideas expressed by authority figures as their own personal beliefs. 
um, which is obviously really interesting because we do have them. Uh, we've seen quite a lot of that um, at the moment around um, everything to do with COVID, everything to do with, I mean, particularly in the States, you've had um, interesting activities. Um, interesting on, on is the, one way Um and so, yeah, you can definitely see um, that sort of behavior occurring on a on, on a regular basis, can't you? Yeah, internalization is basically the process by which those thoughts and opinions become your own when you're trying to conform to a group. Um, and then the other piece of that is like compliance. This is kind of another form of conformity, which is when somebody requests something that maybe an individual or group. Um, they request something for that individual to uh, do, right? It's, it's instructions from another person. Um, and unlike internalization, where you are slowly uh, adopting those opinions as your own, this doesn't necessarily require that private conformity. They actually might reluctantly comply in order to kind of fit in with the group. Um and and they might be privately doubting that request to do something, right? Uh, I, I feel like this is Fox News. Um, <laughs> <laughs> internally, they have a memo to be uh, vaccinated. That's their there's um, that's their sort of uh, I guess workplace mandate is they need to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. But they're sowing distrust, and that's a, um, yes, and so it's like. I don't know. It's just a, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Weird. But I mean, compliance, right. When, when you think about, um, complying with these, uh, sort of requests, it, it frequently occurs when a person is asked by an authority figure. Um, and so when you think about authority figures, you're thinking about, uh, hierarchical relationships, um, uh, most of the time, right? If, if you have some sort of person of authority, meaning your boss or um, a law enforcement officer or uh, somebody who holds public office, you know, any one of these roles, uh, which, which is seen as authoritative figures, um, you might have, uh, I don't know, a, a, you might be more, more likely to comply to those, right? You know, you might have drivers complying with the directions given by traffic wardens because they have uh, authority over traffic and students comply with the requests of their teachers um, who also have a position of authority in the classroom. That's very different from obedience. So compliance is, is sort of, um, I guess, let's talk about the difference. You want to talk about obedience and we can talk about the difference between them too. Yeah. So obedience is, is similar to compliance in that, that you're, you basically getting people to do as they're told. Um, in the fact the the person modifies their behavior to obey the directions of another, often with positions of authority, but it doesn't actually require the subject to alter his or her own private opinion. Where we see this is in largely in, in hierarchical organizations, such as, I mean, the military is a really good example where uh, because you're in that hierarchy and it's an autocratic organization, you get told what to do, you get given an order, you carry it out. That is that obedience which for me is different to uh, the compliance because the compliance, you may not actually know the person who's given you the um, the direction or the order, but because you respect the position that they're in, and it could be just a, it's a probably more of a one-off event, you will do it because of the social norms around complying with what you're doing. Whereas the obedience is, is doing it on a more, much more repetitive and you, you will repeatedly do it. 
Do you have good a good save? No, no, no. Good save. I brought up hierarchical and compliance, and I was wrong. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, but didn't, yeah. I didn't like to say that in public, but you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm calling myself out there. I didn't want anyone else to call me out on Twitter or anything. So, yeah, you're right. I think there's there's a distinct difference. One is because somebody holds a, a position of authority, and the other is because there is a hierarchical relationship, you know, cli- compliance versus obedience. Um, and when you talk about that hierarchical relationship, you're, there's also sort of social roles, right? It, it's different in the, in the sense that um, there are roles in which people find themselves. And this could be a human factors application here, too, right? It, it, if you think about the way in which people perform, you talk about human factors practitioner. What does that role do at work? Um, you talk about a UX designer versus UX researcher. What are the differences in those roles? And so... If you think about sort of um, assigning each of these roles with a set of attitudes and behaviors with those roles or responsibilities, even if you're thinking about workplace, right, and the role that that person has to do or the the things that that person has to do in that role, it can influence their actions and opinions, right? They might um, ultimately as, you know, like let's say someone's a designer and they slowly start to think more like a designer because they're in that role and they're getting more experience with those types of things. Likewise, if you're in a research role, you might start thinking about research differently and interacting with other researchers and trying to do that. And if you're a human factors practitioner, who the hell knows what that is? Um, you know, like really. So you have these, these roles, but you know, that when we talk about them in a social sense um, you know, you can, you can think about, being influenced by a number of different roles at one time, right? You wear many different hats, you know, you're a dad, you're a brother, you're a, uh, you're, I don't know, a son, you're a worker, you are a, you name it, right? And Mm so um, you play a professional role, you play a, uh, your profession, and that's associated with different types of behavior. Um, So for example, right, you, People expect a doctor or a naval office to be a little bit more serious than a circus entertainer. Um, it's not always true, but, <laughs> but you might try to fulfill this assumption when you are given that role. Uh, if your idea of a doctor is serious, then you might, if you are pursuing a medical degree, slowly become less fun and <laughs> throwing shade on doctors here. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> he's, not, he's not kidding at all. But I mean, you know, there's there's other types of roles as well, too, right? We all know gender roles, family roles, uh, different societal roles. Those can also influence behavior. And this is like classic Zimbardo. Um, if you think back to Psych 101 and the prison experiment, this, you know, cool. assigning people to roles uh, and they they kind of perform it. Do you want to talk about minority influence? Yeah, so... Well, conformity usually occurs in response to, you know, the vast majority of a group coming together and influencing um, other members. Individuals or minorities of group can also exhibit social uh, social influence. Um, so this occurs when individuals present an opinion that is different to, the, to what, the, uh, what is held by the majority. So as this opinion is novel and contrary to, to the group norms, the attention of the other members are drawn, is drawn to it. And they are led to then consider the merits of the minority opinion. Because it runs against the accepted beliefs of the group, it cannot rely on normative influence to lead the other members to comply. Um, individual Individually tend towards a majority-held view um, to feel as though they're part of a group. But this minority view in, usually needs to exert informative influence. 
by presenting new information, maybe a key fact or a um, key bit of knowledge, as having been overlooked by the majority, a minority can persuade other members to reconsider their opinion. This is known as conversion. Um, if minority influence is able to convert a significant number of people or a sufficient number of uh, members within the group, it will become the majority um, opinion within the group. So many social and political movements, such as the civil rights movement in the US, and uh, use minority influence to change the views of the wider population. So that's something you see quite a lot, as, as it states in in, um, in the political domain, where where you go out and try and um, convert people, almost that one at a time approach, um, to get your minority view to be taken to be by the majority. Yeah, yeah. So so then you have uh, Cialdini, who yeah. is like king of influence or you know well-known name uh the principles of influence there's there's several different principles we can kind of go through back and forth one by one Uh, but we'll start with like reciprocity right and and these are other ways to kind of think about influence right so reciprocity you're basically more inclined to give back when people give um something to you so think about like a gift or uh, a certain behavior or service, right? I mean, there's been studies that have, um, you know, you send a Christmas card with $20 to somebody and uh, they'll send you one back without even knowing you um, with money in it because they must, they must've just forgot about you and they feel bad. Um, It's, it's rather remarkable thing. uh, The reciprocity thing. So, I mean, when you think about influence, what's, what's up next? So scarcity is basically around if you try and make out that something um, isn't going to exist anymore, so there's going to be less of something, then people want more of it. And it's quite a typical technique used by, um, you know, stores and stuff like that to say, you know, you you see so many sales of, right, you know, end of line sales and all that sort of stuff. As soon as people think they're not going to get something anymore, then suddenly demand for everything shoots through the roof. And so... Telling people that something's going to become scarce is a key driver to get getting people to want it. Um, do you want to talk about authority? Yeah, I mean, we talked about compliance and obedience. Um, this is really kind of that encapsulated in authority, right? It's it's people follow the lead of credible, knowledgeable experts or those that are in hierarchical roles from them uh, that have that authority to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also the, um, the, the, the this idea of consistency. So people like to do stuff that they've already done. So if you're agreeing with what, uh, get, getting people to agree with what they've already done, you can point out that, um, say somebody gives to charity um, and you want them to give to your charity, you can use that to say, well, you give to, you give to that other charity, so you're clearly, clearly charitable, so give to our charity as well. Um, or any, anything like that. So if you can get them to continue the behavior that they've already had, you can, you can turn that to, uh, to your advantage. Yeah, then there's liking. Um, you know, you're, you're more likely to say yes to people that you like. So be Mm -hmm. likable. (laughs) Um, and social proof, we've already talked about, um, social proof, um, in, in quite a lot of detail, but the idea of you want to be part of the group, you want to, um, if somebody else is doing something, you want to generally go along for the ride and, and, and follow what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And And lastly, yeah, lastly is unity, uh, us versus them. This is political parties. This is, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, um, different groups that you feel like uh, there's uh, another group kind of opposing you. You need to be united in your thoughts. And so that's kind of the last one here for principles of influence. Now, let's let's wrap up. That's that's influence 101, folks. That's uh, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> social psychology. Let's let's talk about um, this in relation to the article and human factors in general. Um, you know, and I think there's there's some really interesting discussion to be had here, um, potentially around sort of the way in which they measured this, right? So they, they've they been using a uh, computer-based game for this. Um, again, to remind everybody, since we've kind of gone so far from the original article, uh, <laughs> basically we're, we're talking about how our minds are distinguishing from various social influences. So all these different social influences that we just talked about, our minds are distinguishing uh, uh, from them or between them uh, through... Uh, through our brain <laughs> my brain is clearly not working tonight so <laughs> so what they did is they they uh did this computer-based game where the uh the participants had to try and remember the position of a dot displayed on the screen they gave confidence values for their answers however if they were allowed to revise their guesses they had seen uh the answer of a computer or a virtual partner with whom they'd been introduced to before the experiment in reality, all answers were provided by computers. So they only, you know, manipulated whether or not the person thought it was a person or a computer. Um, and, and that really produced some interesting outcomes here, right? Because we're talking about the differences between uh, working with humans and versus working with computers. And there's kind of huge human factors applications here. Yeah, no, there absolutely is because the... Certainly when we're doing a lot more work around AI, machine learning, and things like that, we're getting more and more systems that are um, going to be providing guidance to, to us as humans. And the, one, of the, one of the good drawouts of this, or one of the interesting drawouts, is that if somebody, uh, if, if somebody was going to make a decision, they had, had that low set of confidence, um, if they thought that the, that the bit of advice being given to them was by a human, then they'd more likely match that match that advice if they if they didn't if they weren't really confident in what they were doing if they thought that it was got being given by a computer then they'll be less likely to change their minds uh, because they they assume that um, they know better so but as you said the the actual at the baseline all the answers were being given by computers so you could really see that draw itself out so if we're doing a lot more work around ai ai systems even everything from Alexa and Google Home and all, all things like that, all the way through to some quite, you know, some of the futuristic um, AI um, systems. How, if we're going to have that sort of relationship with them AI systems and we're just not going to trust them and we're automatically going to override them, is that going to make them sort of systems basically less trusted overall? Are they going to have the the impact that we um, truly think that they, they should have? And so how we deal with that from a human factors perspective is going to be quite key. Because we've got to make sure that we present that information in the right way, that the the advice, because it will be advice or it will be guidance or whatever, will be taken in the way that that we intended. Yeah, and I mean, you could always you could always tell uh, somebody that they are talking with a human to um, I don't know help with that trust, right? We're talking about trust in human robot AI teaming here, and so there's going to be a what I see is a bunch of ethical questions of when do you tell somebody that it is a robot versus when do you tell somebody it's a human if that robot is going to or that AI is going to give you a much more accurate assessment of the situation, especially in like the military domain, right? I can imagine this would be a very tricky uh, needle to thread. You also have um, sort of situations where it's less, uh, you know, stakes are less high. 
something like chatbots. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you tell the person that it is a chatbot or not? Because if you do tell them it's a chatbot, they're going to be less likely to trust their answer. And they're going to click through to get to a real human. Or do you say, you know, fake it? I, I see it sometimes like, hey, my name is John and I'm here to help you. What can I help you with today? You know, and it's so obvious that it's a chatbot. But it's like one of those things. Is how do you design around making it feel like a human but still be ethical about it? I don't know. It's a, it's a huge um we're not going to solve it here today on Human Factors Cast. I'm sorry if you tuned in for that. but uh. Though, on that point, if you want to read more into that, there is a book called um, Virtual Humans by um, David Burden that is all about that the, the development of, of chatbots and um, things like putting chatbots through the Turing test and things like that, which is thoroughly interesting and thoroughly recommended. Right. It'd be very interesting to see uh, where social influence falls uh, with computers that pass the Turing test and those that don't um, mm-hmm. and and you know telling them they're all robots but then kind of the ones that do pass the Turing test you're like is that really a robot I don't yeah. you know it's it's one of those things where we just don't know yet um, I think we're close but uh, we just don't know yet any other closing thoughts on this article or um, social influence yeah, I think it's the. I think it's interesting. Um, like I said, I think there's. It's it's again. It's another. It's another foundation article. Uh, foundation building block for us to work. And I think this, the the true value for me is is that bit in the difference between um, how we take AI, how we take um, influence from people, um, and and the, and the difference between the two. And it'll be interesting to see what they go on and, and study next. What about you? Do you, have you any final thoughts? Uh, this was a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, like, like, well, I do post these, these, uh, I'm, I'm the one who goes through. So, so this is all me. your own fault, <laughs> but, but like, I'm, I'm really thankful we did it because it was an exercise for us to stretch and to really think about this from a human factors perspective. I knew when I saw it, it was human mm. factors. It's one of those things. It's like, you know, what is art? Well, I know it when I'll see it. Um, and so for me, this was human factors in the sense that it has some underlying mechanisms that will contribute to human factors discussion it in itself is not human factors. And so I always appreciate the ones that make us stretch far to get to that human factors application, because really uh, human factors is everything when you think about it. Absolutely. Uh, So uh, I may have pulled this story, but thank you to our patrons and our everyone on Twitter who voted uh, for selecting our topic this week. And thank you to our friends over at Ludwig Maximilian's University for our new story this week. If you want to follow along, we do post links to the original articles and our weekly roundups on our blog. Uh, You can also join us on Discord for more discussion on these stories. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving. 
So stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you. And remember, it depends. <laughs> oh, huge thank you, as always, to our patrons. Especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff patrons, uh, Michelle Tripp. Patrons like you keep the show going. Thank you so much for your continued support. Uh, you know, I don't think I've mentioned this in a while. Um, mm, I'm trying to figure out which one I talk about. Let's talk about the website. We have a website. It's pretty awesome. Go check it out. Humanfactorscast.media. You can do a lot of things there. Um, and we have all sorts of fun things over there, too. We got detailed show notes uh, with you know links to any guests that might have been here on the show that week, uh, as well as embedded YouTube videos. So you can, again, see how handsome Mr. Barry Kirby is uh, when he even when he's got COVID. He's incredibly <laughs> handsome, uh, especially if you're regularly an audio listener. We do have weekly news roundups most of the time. Um, this week, we didn't have one, but most weeks we do. So you can check those out for stories that didn't make the cut. Um, there's also ways to submit your own story. So if you're working on something interesting that you think it would be a great thing for us to talk about on the show, there's a uh, submit button in the show notes. You can also search our episodes. If you are looking for specific content, you want to know uh, what's going on with influencing, you can search that and it will return every episode where we mention that. Uh, we also have conference recaps up there. And if it's been a minute since you've checked out the website, just go take a look. It's humanfactorscast.media. All right. With that, I think it's time that we get into this next part of the show we like to call... It came from... It came from... Yes, we're switching gears. We're getting to It Came From. Uh, this week, it's all Reddit, but I think this is... Uh, we've got some good ones this week. This is the part of the show where we search all over the internet to bring you topics the community are talking about. The community is talking about grammar. If you find these answers useful, uh, give us a like to help other people find this content wherever you're listening, watching, all that stuff. So we got three today. Um, let's take this first one here. This is how do you approach prioritization for a product that is very broken? What techniques would you use to find the severe issues? This is by Chicken Crawl Crew on the user experience subreddit. They go on to write, let's say you've identified that in your online store, the search is the most important experience and everything is broken. Search filters don't work or act as expected. It's bloated. The UX is absolutely horrible. Categories make no sense. Naming of features make no sense. Selecting a few uh, feature shows results, but the results don't seem to contain the thing you selected. How do you identify all issues, uh, technical and design, or, and prioritize them best? Anything besides doing a heuristic review? Barry, how would you approach this situation? I'd start again by the sounds of it. Um, I think there is, I mean, almost semi seriously on that point, there is certain times when you, if you've got something like that, and that just sounds like, like a horror story, that um, sometimes it's easy to just start again, go and work out, right, what, what, what is your, if, if, it's not ex, if it's not meeting what you expect in terms of a user experience, what is the user experience? Go back to basics in terms of what are your user stories um, and the workflows that you're expecting and start it through again. The other one I quite like to use to justify that, I guess, is like things like cognitive walkthrough, that that type of approach of, again, it's just going through, right, what, what is it you're expecting? Detail it. And yeah, but just from that, I, I would rip it to bits and, and start again because, because I quite like doing that sort of thing. What about you, Nick? How, how would you? I'm sure you'd take a, a much more considered approach to just. Uh, big help. I don't know. I think I think the tear it down and and try it again is is a good approach. But 
let's say you don't have that option, right? I think there are some clever ways to sort of suggest a major overhaul with some simple tricks. Uh, PMs hate this one simple trick. Um, so <laughs> like what I would do is I would sit down some users and really talk about, um, you know, uh, do kind of a card sorting exercise of features, right? What is the most, what is the thing that you need um to be 100%, you know, and, and kind of have them sort by that way. And that way you have some sort of uh, indication of priority for what's important to the users, right? Search is a whole thing. And yes, it's broken, but are you going to fix the results first? Because that's what they're most interested in. Are you going to do filters first because they need to be able to have that functionality and that might result in better results? It really comes down to you know, what the search is intended to do for your product, because, you know, search could be broken, but what if it's like a very minor part of your other product, like your whole product? What if it's, what if your product is mostly controls um, and really searches for like minor things like settings? You know, it, it doesn't make sense to do a whole overhaul for something like that. So really how big is the problem in relation to the rest of the product? And then understanding what um, sort of requirements are, are needed from the user perspective, right? I think that's kind of a conservative approach to uh, maybe not tear down the whole thing and start over. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, part of me says that if something, I mean, because they've said everything is broken. Um, part of me says that would I, would I go out to users at that point? Um, would I, should I not be able to pull in from either my own experiences or at least be able to, you know, if it's a store, then one of the things I've got to be able to do is sell something. Um, I'm going to be able to see what I'm going to be able to sell. I should be able to at least hit, hit the top three things that need to be working out of an online store. That That isn't rocket science. Um, no, yeah. And getting that work. But it depends what they mean by, you know, my version of everything is broken is possibly um, less dramatic than what their version of on, you know, everything is broken. If it's truly broken, I'm an engineer, hit it with a hammer. Um <laughs> But if it's if it is a bit more nuanced than that, then then I think you should be able to rely on your skills as an HR practitioner. But then yes, if it, it if it's much more nuanced, then then bring users in and and do that. It it depends on yeah severity, I guess. Uh, oh, it it depends. Are you telling me that something oh, in yeah. human factors depends? Yeah, I like look, I, I didn't even cue that up. I didn't think no, about you that. didn't. <laughs> look, yeah. it, it really does, right? It, it, how severe is the product? You say it's it's very broken. Everything is broken, but really, what is salvageable from it? And you should know, like you said, Barry, like what the top couple issues are. I think you could go out if it makes sense to do. I don't know. I was talking about generally, right? I wasn't mm, talking yeah, about yeah, search. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's go into this next one here. This is feeling oh, very overwhelmed with my new job. This is by Mango Strudel on the experience user experience subreddit. I just landed a job as the only designer, or we can say human factors engineer, or UX researcher, or whatever it is. It's all applicable at a startup because I had five years of experience working as the sole designer for startups. Uh, I am two days in and I realize that being the only designer at all times has created bad habits in me. My methods are not as clean. And it's the first time that I have someone in the company, my direct boss and CTO, who have some level of experience in Figma. To be honest, he knows more than me. Just isn't as experienced with the visual design. I feel like I can't fake it till I make it here. Like in all the other jobs I had so far. The fact that this is on an entirely new subject matter, AI, isn't helping me either. 
since today's three-hour meeting, I understood almost nothing. I'm working from home today, and I am having panic attacks constantly. Will this get better? Am I in over my head? Too long, didn't read. Am I panicking about a new job? Barry, have you been in this situation? And yes. what do you recommend? I was in this situation last week. Um, so <clears throat> literally, I've started a, um, a new project. And it's in a subject area that I know a bit about, um, but not a vast amount about. I know my role in it, um, exceptionally well, because it's called about human factors integration. Um, but the actual subject of it is something I haven't touched on since university. And so from that perspective, I'm about 20 odd years out of date. So yeah, I, I completely get where you're coming from. The um, What I would say is that you've joined a team and they wouldn't have hired you if they didn't see the skills that you had, because presumably they asked you if you've had skills and you told them you had some skills and, pro and probably in this sort of role, you probably demonstrated some sort of skills as well. And me, COVID. Um, so trust them to a certain extent that they've hired, that they've hired you. They might have some, some more experience, um, like saying in Figma or any other tool that doesn't really matter. And, but they do, you've said to yourself, they don't have the same experience as you in, in visual design. So go with it. That, that's your role in the team. Bring that, social, uh, bring that visual design to the team. And you know if you, if you lean on them to learn more about Figma from them, if they've got more experience, that, that's, that's fabulous. Crack on. Um, it, you're only a couple of days in. Uh, whenever you start a new project, I don't even if it's not with a new new company, it's the same company um, or whatever. As soon as you, when you start a new project, you are learning new stuff all of the time. You you will feel swamped, um, but don't panic. You it will all become fine. Um, if you're still feeling like this in sort of six months' time, that's when you start asking the questions. Um, but for a couple of days in, into a job, I mean, it, um, have you learned how to fill out your timesheet yet? Um, because right. no doubt there'll be a new system for that. And let's face it, most companies, that's the most important thing. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think just don't stop panicking, breathe, um, and realize that you've got, you've, they've, they've hired you because of your skills, not because of the skills that, um, that they've already got. You've got, you, you're bringing something new to the table. Yep. You took my answer, Barry. They hired you for a Wait. reason. I think, I think what you're experiencing here is imposter syndrome. And, uh, I mean, you are overwhelmed because, yes, it's a new domain. Um, I know a lot of people who work in uh, contracting where, like you said, Barry, you might get introduced to a new contract that is a completely different domain. And it's your job to understand, but not on day three, or, uh, it, you know, not on day three. You, you don't need to understand everything about artificial intelligence on day three. Take your time and learn. They expect it, you know, like, um. I just switched domains recently too, and I am still completely lost. And that's okay, right? It's going to take me time to understand. Uh, it, I I feel a little uh, nervous about not knowing, but then it's it's okay, you know. It imposter syndrome is a real thing as long as you're not, um, as long as you can do the job, you know. And if you can't communicate that, you know, you need a little bit more information or time or whatever it is. I don't know. I don't see this as uh, yeah, like like you said, Barry, six months, maybe, but three days. Nah. I mean, let's face it. Learning about AI is a day five thing, not a day three thing. Right. Uh, yeah. Three hour um, meeting is like definitely not a first week thing. I don't know. Uh, and if you want to talk about imposter syndrome, then we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But yeah. um... 
All right. Last one up here. Uh, Barry, you chose this one because it's very controversial. Um, this one is paper prototyping is the biggest waste of time ever. This is from the uh, user experience subreddit. This is, hi, I'm from Uranus uh, or Uranus depending on how you read it. Anyway, so they go on to write, so I'm working on an apt concept and I wanted to try paper prototyping just for fun. So the first thing is I needed paper, pen, and scissors, but I don't have any scissors on hand, so I had to spend some time just finding a scissor and having the tools I needed. Then it was over to drawing. I started by drawing up some iPhone mock-ups. I figured I could start with 10. I started to draw some user flows. I'm not going to read this whole thing. Um, after drawing some mock-ups, I realized I wanted to change a button placement. Now I have to do everything all over. After drawing up all the screens for a very specific user flow, I had to spend some time cutting out all the mockups. Then user testing, switching out a screen for another takes so much time that users lost context with what they were doing. I also realized that my handwriting were more sloppy than I thought. So I spent 10 times the time with paper prototyping compared to creating a low fidelity prototype in Figma. And the whole experience sucked for everyone and I got nothing out of it. Barry, uh, do you feel that paper prototyping is the biggest waste of time ever? I can see from their story why they would think that. However, just think yourself lucky that you're able to use something like a tool like Figma in order to do it. Um, what I would suggest is having worked in, you know, defense for quite a while, there are there are times when you, you just can't use um, fancy new cool tools. Um, and... Uh, you know, and this isn't just um, mocking things up. This could be trials. This could be anything. Pen and paper. You've got to be able to rock it back to pen and paper. However, what I would say in, in the description as well is of, of um, Nick of, of what you read out was it seems maybe they've gone too um, too in depth on their on their paper mockups. Paper mockups should be there. They should be relatively lightweight. They should be um, fun. And actually, if you're draw, drawing everything out, actually you're missing half the fun because half the half the fun there is getting the users themselves to draw them out. And because it's if you're doing it as part of a um, that that session, um, then you know it, you, don't, you don't just get the users to test it; but you can actually get them to do some of the work as well. Um, so, yeah, I think there's um, there, there are tools out there that you can they can use, as you said, Figma. There, there's there's others, but um, that make it seem a lot quicker. But sometimes just going back to pen and paper is is just just the thing to do. Maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know. No. I mean, I've been in the same situation. You you need to take pen and paper into secure locations where you can't have access to fun, fancy tools. The thing that I have, like, issues, I hate to, like, call people out, but, like, this this post is uh, frustrating for a variety of reasons. I'm the, the sentence, I wanted to try paper prototyping just for fun. Why would you not plan it? Um, why would you just in the moment decide to do it and then get frustrated when you don't have the materials to do so? Like it, it, it requires planning. It requires thought. And the fact that just on a whim, I'm going to try this. And then the fact that you're drawing the mock-ups, you know, in, in a certain fidelity and the fact that they're, you're drawing them with a button placed on the layout yeah. already, that is part of the issue. You draw that out separately. So that way you can move it around on the overall layout it's just this is very frustrating to me barry i think that the advice that you've given is very good um this is a uh this is a situation where you need to be better prepared um and it is a tool in the toolbox and you know if if it's more efficient for you or the right tool for the job then do it 
Um, but you know, if you are better at creating low fidelity mockups in Figma, then do that. Um, I don't know. I just, I have a whole lot of problems with, I, I hate calling people out, but this post is just so frustrating. No, it does. And it, it, I was going to sort of wrap up with some, with some of them bits around, you know, if you're sat, sat there going, um, right, we've got a, we've got a, um, a prototyping session today, right? It's got to start in half an hour. I know we've got to do pen and paper as well. So, you know, and then you've got to do all that prep work. Well, yeah, of course it's going to suck. Um, if you do an iPhone mockups, you know, why, why sit there and dry for dry, um, draw iPhone mockups, one iPhone mockup photocopier done. Um, you know, and if, if you're doing them bits and like you say, then you're, then you, you're printing out your, your objects, your artifacts, or, you know, that's what you move around, you draw on. I think you've maybe read the book, but not swallowed the lesson, um, possibly. Um, and yeah, you know, you, you need to use the right tool, use the right tool for the right job and all of that. Yeah. But it's, I, yep. I, I quite like the contentious ones. <laughs> so not controversial at all in our mind. All right, let's just move on. Uh, this one needs no introduction. It's one more thing. Barry, what is your one more thing this week? So in interesting and exciting news, um, we're going to buy an electric vehicle. I say buy. We're going, we're going to lease, we're going to lease an electric vehicle because they're way too expensive. With um, all that Patreon now, money, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's a Patreon and the, and the coffee money. You know, it's it's finally all come in and hey, great. I can't wait. If only. Um, but no. So we we buy an EV, which is um, or going to lease an EV, which is very very exciting. And there's loads of stuff around that. But the one thing I've got, I don't know whether this uh, this applies in the same way in the states. But there is when we first started talking about EVs, there was sort of one main network for charging. And, um, you know, you just rock up and there was a plug, plug it in the car. I mean, how hard can that be, really? But, of course, now as they become more popular, there's more, you know, there's no such thing as free electricity anymore. But, you know, the, the different network, the different people who own the chargers obviously want to make some money back because um, you're basically taking their electricity. And so now there seems to be a whole bunch of different network providers in the area that I live in South Wales, there seems to be about 10 or 15 different electricity network, car charging networks, that you will need a different card for, um, and all this sort of stuff. So the complexity of this new of, of EV buying now doesn't seem to be about range and stuff like that, because, you know, that's getting better. But it's, I'm going to need to walk around with a whole like, flexi wallet full of about 20 or 30 RFID cards, just to be able to use the charges that I might need to use on, on longer journeys. I just there's just there's got to be a solution here. There really has to. Um, so I think I'm I'm at that at that nervous tentative air, uh, point where um, I don't know quite how it's going to work. I don't know quite. I know it's going to involve a lot of change of behaviour um, and change in attitude. And because first time I've ever owned a brand new car, um, and not wanting to scratch it, um, and things like that. So it's quite an exciting time, but also quite um, scary as well. Here's what you do. You, you have a separate wallet that you just keep in your car that's just EV cards. Um, and you, you have your other wallet that you carry with you everywhere. And whenever you go to an EV charging station, you just take out that wallet, pay, and then, um, you know, leave it leave it I, in there. And we have to sign up to all of these different networks to make it happen. And so I've got to work out where they all are, what they do, and all that sort of stuff. Apparently, most of them will take contactless now. Yeah, um, we'll make a spreadsheet. And then, well, uh, you know. And, and a bit of a map. And, yeah, and all this yeah, stuff. yeah. Um, but, a uh, spreadsheet, a map, pull it up on your uh, Tesla dashboard, and call it done. You, okay, not, a Tesla. Tesla. Not, not a Tesla, not a Tesla. So, yeah. Apparently, other EVs do exist. Oh wow, interesting, <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. My, okay. Uh, you're ready for dorky. Um, so my one more thing this week, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a show and tell, so I'll try to describe it best I can for the audio listeners. Um, I bought an adjustable gooseneck phone clip. Now, what this means, uh, we're going to get a little dorky here for a second. Uh, what this actually means is that um, I it, it's it's a it's a device uh, that you put around your neck, and oh, it has a magnetic my. clip in cool. the front. And now I can look at my phone or whatever I want. It's a perfect time to freeze too. Uh, <laughs> That's perfect for so to describe the scene nick's got this what looks like a collar on with a magnetic magnetic thing in the front of it and but the camera has frozen in fact now the camera is now crashed yeah. out that's yeah camera genius. crashed so um, you know, this is actually a good break. exercise this is actually that's a good great. exercise because i'll need to uh describe it for everyone so yes i am i am uh i have this like little gooseneck thing that goes around my neck and it is uh effectively um a phone holder that puts your phone out you know, like 12 inches from your face and you can like look at your stuff while you're laying down in bed or uh, on the couch and it's just right there in front of you or you can play games, you know, on a, on a switch. Anyway, so I liked it so much that I got another one that clips on the top of my headboard and displays the phone right in, on top of my face while I'm like looking upwards. So I don't have to like crane my neck or anything. Um, pretty great and uh, would highly recommend it. You know, that thing that you're, not meant to take your phone to bed with you. Oh yes, uh, yes. I, I'm I'm aware. Okay. So now yeah, you're just buying more things to enable that even more. Yeah, what what about it? What I mean, like I don't know. So what, you're you're not meant to take your phone to bed with you. You're meant to leave it downstairs um or in another room. Um I'm really bad at this by by the way because it's got my alarm on it. Um and not look at it through the night because if you look at it through the night then um the, just just the light of it and the, it, it's sparking your brain into going means that it's going to uh, going to do things and make you not sleep very well. Yeah, well, you know, the, you, there are some sacrifices that that you make, and uh, that is one of them. So, uh, yeah. Does your gooseneck make you happy? My, my gooseneck makes me happy. Um, well, that's and all I that will, matters then. I will show more of it in the post show for those watching. all right well that's gonna be it for today everyone if you like this episode and enjoy some of the discussion around influencing uh, human behavior we encourage you to go check out and listen to episode 208 where we talked about how work pandemic protocols influence human behavior employee behavior it's all the same comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week for more in-depth discussion you can always reach out to us on our discord community visit our official website mentioned it's a pretty cool resource sign up for our newsletter stay up to date with all the latest human factors news if you like what you hear you want to support the show there's a couple things you can do leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening watching now uh that is free for you to do two you can tell your friends about us word of mouth really helps us grow and uh we we like that (laughs) a podcast growing is is a sign of uh, it's a good thing uh and three consider supporting us on patreon if um if you have the funds to do so and want to support the show you can certainly do it that way. We are putting it, putting that money to good use, I think. Uh, and as always, links to all of our socials and our website are in the description of this episode. Mr. Barry Kirby, thank you for being on the show today. Where can our listeners uh, find you if they want to talk about what the story is next week? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Baz underscore K. Or if you want to come listen to me, which are on to guests and talk to some really interesting people, um, find me at 1202 Human Facts Podcast at 1202podcast.com. 
As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it, it depends. depends. Oh, wow, that's loud. I am drained. I am drained. I didn't, I, I didn't cough all the way through that. I, well, I sort of did, but I, I've never used my mute button so much. <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm pretty drained. That, that episode was... Uh, it was hard work. <laughs> required a lot of cognitive you, effort. You, you held the. F- I mean, I'm really good at actually because actually, influence, particularly social social influence, is something I've done a lot of work in. Um, and I just I talked about uh, before about like sort of brain fog with this COVID thing. I was just sitting there going, I can't remember half the stuff that was that. The reason reason for putting the Cialdini stuff in there. Yeah, is we've done. I've done so much work around it and actually developed systems around it. And that's kind of what I wanted to get into. And I was like, it's all gone. It's all just, just disappeared. That looks so sexy. I just, Isn't it I cool? Just, that, no. No. Oh, Sorry. oh, my <laughs> wife hates it. Like, like I'll be sitting on the couch with this thing right here so I can like watch stuff. And she's like, I can't cuddle with you because you're, you have this contraption around your neck. <laughs> <laughs> and she's it's, right. <laughs> it's so cool, though. It's so cool. Like, you know, I could I could play games here. You know, with cloud gaming, I just have the, the, yeah, the okay, yeah. controller right in front of me, right? In in bed, I could, uh, like I said, I had, um, I liked it so much that I have purchased another one um, that you can kind of see right here. Hey, look at that. Uh, right now, I have it right here for show and tell. But the idea is that this would be uh, clipped on the headboard, hanging like over my face, so that way I could look up and see it. Um, it's It's rather cool. It's rather cool. I it, it doesn't look uh, sexy or fun, but it is sure um, useful. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can. T- and, and I'm I'm happy to take your word for it. I think the 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 one where you got your phone on the moment, I can see why that that's why you. But the one around your neck, I just kind of think is a is a an accident waiting to happen. So no, I think you're right. No, look, look, I got the I got the one around the neck originally for like when I was laying, you know, laying down. I was like, OK, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'll just, you know, I'll just put it on so that way I could look at stuff. And then the other one, uh, I was like, OK, this one, this one's working so great. I want a more permanent fixture. Uh, and I, I should have gone <laughs> with this one to begin with. Um, uh, I got something similar. To that. Well, I had something similar to that one in, in one of my older cars. But uh, ooh, what were, what were we talking about with 20 past? Because uh, Linda's got, uh, gone, somebody's pulling your leg, and I can't remember what we were talking about to say that somebody's been pulling our leg. Oh, uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it was one of the. It came from. It was. Oh, it was the prototyping one. Oh, it must have been. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's, yeah. uh, what a what a. Thanks for that, Barry. That was fun. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, to be honest, I needed something easy to talk about because. Like I said again, COVID brainhead. Um, but um, oh, oh, the guy from Uranus, yes. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, I mean that one. That to be fair, as soon as it, as soon as you sort of said it, I was like, uh, I was like, I sort of, re- I was reading it ahead of you talking, and I was like, I, I, I started cracking up things. I was like, I, I, I know where this is going. <laughs> Some of the names uh, that come in from Reddit are pretty great, and I, I love them. Uh, 
love them. I, I, I love them. Oh, we got a question from Richard in the chat. Uh, how do you find using it? I'm assuming the gooseneck. Um, <laughs> how, how do you how do you find uh, using it without the um, tactile feedback of holding a device? It's, it's actually quite funny. Uh, so so when it's uh, this version that I have here, the one that's attached to the desk, it's um, almost annoying. It, it's definitely more for viewing because as I press it, you can see it like wobbles. Mm, that's true and so it's uh it's not great for anything other than like viewing so if you're if you're watching a video or something like that and you just want to like look up while you're that's fine uh the the one that goes around your neck now this one's actually quite interesting um i'm gonna demonstrate best i can uh uh so what's what's interesting about this one is um Oftentimes, <laughs> I know. Oh, that's genius. For, for anyone listening, I uh, it just fell apart. Um, so, so the interesting thing about this is that I do find myself actually using it, but it's it's silly to say that a phone has a lot of weight. It doesn't. This has more weight than the phone, but it's all pushing on my shoulders and on my chest instead of my hands. And so, like, mm. I don't know. I feel like I can very much like. Uh, um, oh, of course, my dad has that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, all the family secrets coming out now. Yeah, exactly. I, I I don't know. It feels very much like a like I don't have to hold it up with my pinkies as much. You know, I can actually focus on um, like holding my hands in a way that help me navigate it better. It's it's hard to describe. Um, yeah, I can see why, in some respects, it, you know, taking I guess the pressure off from your arms as well, because actually holding yeah. the phone up in, in one bit that I sort of right. get that. However, Here. that just tells me that I've been holding it too long and need to put it down. Let me demonstrate. This is normal function. Um, I hold it with my pinky below and I hold it with, I support it with the back and then I navigate with my thumb, right? On this, um, I am no longer supporting it with my pinky. I kind of support it almost like a pop socket uh, where I, you yeah. know, hold yeah. it in between, which, which I guess at this point I could just get a pop socket, but I hate the way those feel on the back. Um, but, you know, I, I can also just like brace my hand against it with like one finger here. Uh, I can't really show. I can brace it with like one finger and point with the other and it's like fine. Um, oh, to feather your touches. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about that. Uh, I, I, I think it's fine. Um <laughs> The, the question is, do do I think it'll be useful for having to feather your touches? Um, I, I think it. I think it's fine. Like I don't. I don't. You know, I, I can be pretty delicate with it. Um, I'm I'm trying it right now. So I don't know. I I, I recommend it. It's it's actually um <laughs> it's a stupid thing and it's one that I get like really. Uh, I think Richard, you you should buy one, Richard. Bring it into the office. And then we can have a play with it and see what you think. And then we can, maybe we, this is what we need to do. Partly what we should do post-show is product review. So uh, if people can send yeah. product and do that, then then that would work. Um, Dude, that I, would be great. We could turn those into individual videos too. Um, mm, yes. Because that uh, is something that I've wanted to do for a while uh, is, is product reviews. Um, I want them to be a little bit more thought out. I almost want, I almost struggle to say, um, post-show solely uh, product review. It might be like draft for a product review video. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, just, I, was, I was more thinking of um, amusement factor than anything else. Oh, yeah. 
No, I do. I do ultimately want to do reviews where, like, we you know go in depth with the usability of something and um, consider the human factors approaches that they took. Now, I will say there's one other benefit to this. If if you want to sort of uh, adjust the pitch of your um, of your screen, all you have to do is like shrug your shoulders, and then you get this. <laughs> Super easy to use. <laughs> See, just thinking of the range, so think of the use cases. I guess if you, where you can use it, so you, you, you use it in the studio, you can use it in bed, as you've yes. already said. I guess when you go to the loo, you know, yes. you, yeah, you, you can, can do that. From what you Hands do free. You, yeah. Um, yeah, I get vers versatility. I think Look, here's the other easy. thing. Here's the other thing. I have a toddler, and, um, you know, we, we use a stroller. And so if you have one with a clip, you can clip it onto the stroller and have, you know, a semi-stationary uh, screen for them to babysit with. Um, oh, I thought you were to say about you watching it then whilst you're pushing it down the um, uh, down the way. Nah, I guess yeah. using it for vlogging. Uh, Richard just pointed oh. out you can do it for vlogging. That's, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, you know what you could also do is like, you know, that, that, uh, uh, what's it, what, that, that um, cinematography technique that horror movies use where they like focus in on your face um that that might be a a way to use it right if, if you're not familiar with the technique that i'm talking about i'm th like um you know like the the paranormal investigators yeah, where they yeah, have yeah, yeah. oh my god i'm so scared right now you know and they're like That's moving around and the, yeah. the camera's mounted to their chest you could use it like that uh certainly i don't know if it's the most efficient uh way to do that because it is just you know it's not super secure you could like it, so you'd need, like, around. like a velcro or a strap or something to hold it in place wouldn't you but yeah as yeah, a, yeah. a cheaper way of doing it then it, it, it could be interesting yeah uh like uh hang on i will i will demonstrate here for you all uh here we go hold on one moment uh so this is in the post show so i don't mind <laughs> yeah, I guess you. I, I guess you could do vlogging with it. Here I am. Um, I think you shouldn't hear me twice, right? It, it's just once. Very yep, flattering absolutely. view of what's going on here. Uh, if I flip this, okay, yeah, that's even better. Uh, I'd have to. What is? I don't know. It's. Hmm. You could certainly. <laughs> great view, great view, everybody. Right, hang on. We'll get rid of that for a second. Let me put it up here. I think that might be much better to illustrate uh, kind of what you could do with it. Indeed. Right. You know, it's uh, oh. you, you could always do the uh, live from everywhere in the world. It's Human Factors cast. Where's the camera? There it is. Hey. And then, you know, switch it over to uh, this one. You get two, two different views, right? Although I can't sync up my mic with both of them, so it's a little bit complicated you know I, I think this would be something cool for like going out to a conference you just uh throw up the view and then you know we could be talking down here below uh wait what am i doing uh that one and we'll do ignore my big face but like you know we could mm. we could have um you know like like the face from the side here hold on face from the side that wow that is really blown out <laughs> that is disgusting. I am really sorry. Uh, you know, this this face right here. Wait, I'm on both. Uh, the one with, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. What anyway, else, the, 
this one that I'm looking at right now, this would be yeah. a camera feed of a bunch of conference goers uh, just walking by while we are talking down below and saying, hey, look at this conference. This is great. Um, it'd be kind of cool, I think. Yeah. I've still got to work out exactly what I'm going to do when I go up to um, CITF conference at the end of next month. Um, yeah. Do you, do you, we should probably talk about that because if... Um, if you want to, we can do the conference coverage on this feed, um, or we could do it on yours, or we could figure something out. Uh, but I think it might be, I don't know, we'll figure it out. I think there's a, a, a mix is certainly good, because I think I'm going to do, I'm certainly going to capture uh, a few people for interviews and do some straight up interviews. Right. Uh, but then I also want to do the whole grabbing people in the bar and because I've got some new bits of kit to make that happen. Because um, of course I have. Um, so I've got a, I don't, I, th I might have showed you this before, but I've got my yeah. uh, new road, um, just product placement there, um, wireless mics, um, which is please, all. Uh, please sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, and just, yeah, because you're really, your kit's really expensive. It's really good, but it's expensive. Um, but coupled with some um, decent Lavalier mics as well, because um, even though they do have the inbuilt, they do recommend, or a friend of mine recommended um, getting them as well. So I want to try using them out and basically going to the bar and trying to get people to have conversations. I've already had a number of people saying to me, you can have conversations with me pre two or three beers, not post two or three beers. Right. Um, right. Which, that's where the better conversations come in. Yeah. Um, but I want to grab, um, like I said, a couple of people for, for interviews anyway. I've had some um, roller banners done um which are very exciting um so which are actually they're here but the um i'll put them up next time when i can think about it um and so hopefully we can have them in the background so there'll be some nice photos but yes and then we can do some um um better um con you know proper conference coverage um for, for this show right yeah yeah i'm, I'm thinking you know y you're planning some interviews might be so, like, what we've done on this show before, and we talked about this at the top of last, is, you know, any interviews that are centered around the conference, like, what are you here for? Yeah. That might be a good candidate for this feed, along with any conference coverage proper. Of course, you know, you have your interviews lined up, so you get content for a year on your feed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting, because there's... So, we, we're only attending technically half the conference, because half it's virtual anyway. And all the... The all my papers, uh, my papers. I've got like four in there or something. Um, three of them in there. Um, is all in, is all going to be the virtual bit. So I'm going to go to the physical bit completely chilled because I have nothing to present. I have nothing to do except go and enjoy myself. And because uh, I'm taking up um, quite a few of my team with me as well, I'm going to get them to do all the, like, the hard work. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, That's how you do it. And then I'm going to go to the bar and, and have have fun conversations. So it's the, called networking. Um, Yes, that one. Um, so yeah, no, but I'm quite looking forward to that. It should, it should be quite good fun because um, I've never done that, done it that way before, and, and they promised me a bit of space and things like that. We shall see how it goes. Are you going to have uh, a big fancy booth? Well, I don't know. I've asked for. Um, well, they said, a "What do I need?" I said, well, "What do you need?" And I said, "Well, I don't really know because I've never done it before." But I'm hoping to take. I could get away with just almost taking my phone and, and the recording stuff because you can get actually decent quality recording like that. But yeah, look cool if I take my mixing desk down and some decent, you know, actually set it up properly. Um, so I won't, so I might, I don't know what cameras I'm going to take down yet or anything, but I'm going to try and take um, at least a bunch of, bunch of kit down so it looks the business. Um, behind the setup, I've got three roller banners 
so I can have a big double roller banner and then two ones on the side, so it'll actually give a nice backdrop. Um, uh, I know it's really fancy. I'm quite. Um, I'm, and my daughter's designed it all as well, and so um, it's really cool. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully we'll do we'll do some get, get do some proper sit down stuff and um, and see what happens. But it depends what sort of space they've got me in. They might have me just in a random random far corner away from all all the all the um, all the fun. So we'll see. Right. Yeah. That's that's always like when we when we were negotiating um, <laughs> our our deal with HFES in 2018. Uh, it was very much like they were. What do you want? Red carpet, you know, like, and they put us front and center too, which was really surprising. Um, well, I think we they've been um, they've been really good in terms of you know talking, talking to the conference team about right. Um, they said, what, "What do you want?" I was like, "I don't really know. Um, I just know I need, I need some power. I definitely need power supply, and I need somewhere to sit, um, and pref- preferably a table." Um, and then everything else we'll just make it when we get there. So yeah, uh, one yeah. make sure make sure lighting is okay if you're going to do video. We we had them give us lights and they were great, uh, but they were very hot and they were um, difficult to get right because like if you look at all our interviews, they look kind of blown out and orange. Mm. Um, and you know there were there probably better lighting uh, solutions than what we had, um, but you know, what we had was overkill. Uh, that's true. I don't have any. Actually, my my son has some ring lights that I might be able to just borrow and just not ask him. <laughs> Pilf- yeah. Pilf- Pilf- you of my twelve year old son. How harsh is that? But um, yes, I think we'll. Um, there might be some um, some some messages or some some calls coming in just before I go. Said, "What do you think I need?" Um, oh yeah. But, um, yeah, it'll be fine. What could possibly go wrong? What are the famous last words. Um... <laughs> exactly right. Wait, so when is this? It's uh, April. April twenty fifth, twenty sixth. I want to say. Um, okay. Calendar. And um, uh, yeah, what Monday, April eleven? Uh, wait, is that the online? The online is eleven twelve. Um, and yeah, yeah twenty five twenty six is is uh, in person. And then, Good. but I think there's going to be quite quite a few people there. So it'll be. Um, it's good. What I really like about. Um, the Gnomes Conference is, you know, the you, you've got all the, the lectures and stuff, which are fab, but it's the most fun social one to go to as well, um, because people are nice and talk to each other and, and have a bit of a chat and a catch up and stuff. So even the first one I went to where I didn't know anybody and was properly terrified, um, everybody was still really nice and lovely. So um, yeah. that's Human Factors World for you. Yes, yes. Uh, some fun stories about Human Factors Conferences for sure. Uh, I'm looking at the venue. I'm looking at. It. I'm. I'm. I, w- I want to see how much it would be for me to attend this one day. Um, what's the closest airport? Like, I, I just want to. I just want a price. Uh, like, what, what this would cost. Uh, Birmingham Airport would be your closest, but you might. Out- yeah, you know, Birmingham's in, in international, so you'll probably be able to fly into there, or you'd be flying into Manchester. Here. Um. Okay, so it's it's a. Uh, all right, hold on. So it's uh, for one person. It's uh, close to nine hundred dollars to fly, mm-hmm. and a eighteen hour flight. Which you know, whatever. Um, whatever, big deal. Uh, and then 
Oh wait, so I'm not I'm not even looking at April. I mean, this would be for uh, this would be kind of expensive now because I'm looking at it so late. But do you look at April next year, for example? Yeah, yeah. So the, this year it'd be close to two thousand. Uh, <laughs> so, so you know what? Let's. I don't know if it'll go out that far uh, since it's more than a year away. But I can do like February, just for example. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, let's do like a February weekend. It's the furthest out I can get. Uh, um, wow, they don't have much data. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's looking like 900, 1000 to fly. Mm -hmm. And then the entry fee, uh, I hear we may be able to get that waived. It, I'm fairly sure conversations could be had. Um, but saying that, I'm oh, just adding it. If we could do maybe a conference theme could be around communications of human factors and maybe we'd need somebody to come in from the state to be a keynote speaker and oh. you know then you look at things like well actually do you pay for keynote speakers to come along maybe maybe, maybe some contribution towards travel might be had yeah um, yeah that could be fun travel and lodging but um probably making promises that um my body can't cash but um yeah. but uh <laughs> so. Funny when you saw people in in, in um, positions of influence. Yeah. Um, still, but no, I think I think because I'd quite like to come out to um, the states and come to something. Um, yes. I think it yes. Be quite I mean, at some point we should meet. You know, given oh, that yeah, we'll yeah, for sure. Pieces um, for like nearly what half a year now. Yeah. Um, we should probably meet, but um, you know, take our relationship to the next level. Yes, a, like meeting <laughs> in-person meeting is uh, yeah. something I'm, I'm highly looking forward so, to. Yeah, I would love it if you came to HFES one of these years and uh, we'd catch up. And um, yeah, it might be a good, good thing to start thinking about next year. This year's what six months out. We're kind of past some of the deadlines, I think, yeah. for submission stuff. But like, you know, I'm I'm hoping to go uh, for you know just to cover it. Um. And to kind of see what's new, but because uh, it's been a while for me, it's it's been since 2018 was the last time I went. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I, I didn't go in 2019 because my son was born. 2020 was online hybrid or online only. Uh, 2021 was online hybrid, mm -hmm. but I didn't have the resources to go. So it's like, yeah, this year, this year, I feel like I need to go. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so I'm. Um... Yes, well, I, I have to go this year for a number of reasons. Um, but the um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just really looking forward to it. Um, it's it's just going to be just so nice to see people back together. I mean, I, I did a the last conference I presented at um, some sort of small conference was in December, um, and that was quite nice to be you not know, just presenting back to a back to a room because remember tonight I was meant to have a rush job because I was meant to be yeah. presenting I was meant to be doing my hybrid presentation night which I wasn't really looking forward to if I'm honest. Um, and especially as it turns out that the, the week before we found out that only five people had registered to come in person and but around 200 people had registered to attend online so if you the way that normally works out I found is if you normally get about two thirds half to two thirds of the people who register actually turning up so you know um, registering um, coming online so you get you know 100 150 people online yet five people in the room so I did sort of turn around and say is there any point in doing the whole physical room but given that you you have to you know we have to pay for the room you have to pay for the um uh, i mean refreshments and all that sort of stuff why bother um 
but the, the the committee was very keen that we still do um um do the hybrid and I was like, okay. yeah and given i've not done it before then i was like it, it's a good learning experience for me but then literally yeah um you could tell how much out of it i was sort of wednesday morning um yesterday tuesday night yeah tuesday night is when i um sort of tested and then um I thought message was going, oh, terribly sorry, tomorrow night. I know it's not, I know it's short notice tomorrow night. I can't do it. And they're like, you mean Thursday? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a day out. But oh, so I've given you loads of notice. What, what, am, I, what am I complaining about? Um, so, yeah, so I had to cancel it last minute, which was um, no doubt very disappointing for everybody who was who was going to turn up. Well, the fact that they get their um, Thursday night back. Um, but um, hopefully just a postponement because I, I, I did actually spend time doing the slides. The slides, the slides are all there and I knew there was even some funny jokes in it. Um, oh, I hope so. I hope so. Well, sort of funny. Well, I, I thought they were funny, but um, and now having just said that, I can't even remember what they were. Brain um, fog. Yeah. Blame it on the brain fog. It's um, which is fine when I've got COVID, but I don't know what I use as an excuse when I don't have COVID. So, yeah. Uh, so I um. You look like you've broken something. No, I well, yes, I did. The the it came from stuff. Um, oh, you back to doing that? Okay. Yeah. Ah, oh, there we go. Roll. I'm. I feel the need for some bigger screens. Send messages. I am trying to figure out why, um, for one reason or another, the bot that we're using for if this then that is not properly posting because i did check that um uh i did check that uh that connection is not working um which is surprising to me but i i'll figure it out i guess uh I don't know why. I'm I'm looking at the permissions and I'm like, uh, yeah, no, everything looks fine. Um, like I I don't understand why this is. I used to really like it if they said that, but then I don't know. It seemed to become harder to use. Um, and then more recently when I've gone back into it, because I want to be able to use my stream deck to switch on my um my um light lighty thing up here, um the the, the light in the background, yeah. And, I should be able to do it, and and I can't make that work. So that's where I've, I've sort of fallen out with it. And it should be it should be simple, to, should, relatively simple to do. It should be, um, but um, I, you, I just don't have enough. You link it up with like a like a like what wireless uh, uh, like what am I yeah. yeah, I'm having brain fog. The plug. You, you don't have COVID. You've got no excuses. Yeah, I I don't. Um, <laughs> I, well, the medication's wearing off. It's the end of the day, so that's that's uh, my okay. excuse. Um, um, no, it, it it should link up because it's it's linked it's linked up to an app, and I know the app can um, connect to Alexa, um, and so that means that you, that it should work with this if this and that, and that means I should be able to push it from the stream deck uh, to make that work. Right. And but I just can't get all that to line up, and so and it requires me to have some time to sit down and and actually you know think about it and let you know learn the new thing. But I'm currently trying to learn a new language at the moment, and that's taken up all my spare brain space. Well, I'm all out of brain space too. So why don't we go ahead and wrap up? If you've been watching with us, thank you for sticking with us through the post show. This uh, this 
two dudes rambling. Um, <laughs> Very good rambling, though, I thought. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Uh, I call it rumble. And uh, thank you for dealing with the show and all that stuff. It's, uh, it's been fun. And thank you all. And uh, we'll, we'll be back next week, hopefully with less brain fog. Yay. I might be better by then. So have a good one. Right. We'll see you soon. Thank you all. Good night.